Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Ki ei vedne mo, ki ei vedne mo kursulor. 
soon come to a close you rush to put on all those finishing touches as a spirit of peace descends on your home Shalom Aleichem Aleichem Shores Malachem The candles are lit and the table's been set. The smells of the Shabbos envelop your home. You come back from shore and as you open the door, Welcomed with greetings Shabbat Shalom Depart from this holy abode. You're thankful next week that this all will come back as you call out a Mavdil and Kodesh Lcho. Hakadosh Baruch. 
J.M. and the A.M. with Simcha Line are words we're going to be saying tomorrow and uh, Sunday. Uh, the bracha that starts the Hallel service. Half Hallel, both tomorrow and Sunday. As Rosh Chodesh Elul begins tonight. Hard to believe, huh? Uh, Simcha Liner here at J.M. and the A.M. Duvadol with Malachi Shalom. That's brand new. Hodu, again, words from the Hallel that we'll be saying. I know we say it other times as well, but you know, you get my point. 
That's Shalshelis Jr. They had the New Day selection before that. Hakol Ito from Joey Newcomb. Regesh with both Hakol Yaducha and Shalom Aleichem. Haley Shabbos, brand new from Shlaimi Gertner. And, of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this August 26th, day 29 in the month of Menachem Av. We're getting close to the end of the month and getting ready for Rosh Chodesh. It starts tonight. It's a two-day Rosh Chodesh um, for Shabbos and Sunday. Shabbos and Sunday, two-day Rosh Chodesh. Erev Shabbos Parshas Re'eh, Erev Shabbos HaChodesh. And um, candle lighting time in New York is 717. Again, candle lighting time in New York, 717. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And tomorrow's Haftorah, as opposed to it being a Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Haftorah, tomorrow's Haftorah will be um, from the series of um, comforting Haftorahs that continue between Tisha B'Av and Rosh Hashanah. So it's uh, it's rare that Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, and we're not reading the uh, Haftorah for, um, for Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. But that is the situation. Um, just looking up something quickly. By the way, great reaction to um, Mark Zomick's Erev Shabbos show, and for good reason. For good reason. Oh, so I'm wrong? <laughs> I think I'm wrong. I think the Haftorah tomorrow is, in fact, Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know why I thought otherwise. Now, now I really have to check and see if I'm right or wrong. I have a feeling some of our listeners will let me know. Um, yeah, I have a feeling some of our listeners will let let me know. Why was I under the impression? Give me a second here. Sorry to do this on the air, everybody. <laughs> Why was I under the impression that we're not saying... Shabbos Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. I'm wrong. I am wrong. Yeah. Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Haftorah tomorrow. Hashemayim Kisi. Okay, I apologize. I was completely under the wrong impression. And my apologies for that. Okay, so the Haftorah will be Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. And, uh, and, um, and that'll be tomorrow. And then, of course, Sunday, the very first day of Elul is the second day. Of Rosh Chodesh Elul. 717 candle lighting in New York. Again, 717 candle lighting in the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are and get ready for a wonderful Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. One hour from now, it's Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Harry Rothenberg at the beginning of the 7 o'clock hour. Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. Talk about Parshas A. Plenty more happening here on a Friday era of Shabbos at JM in the AM. And, um, Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Uh, Judy Landy has checked in, wishing everybody a good Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Uh, listener Tikva is checking in from Israel. Mara says, awesome music selections so far. Last night I was at a Kumzitz, and they teased us with the beginning of an eight-time cat song and then cut it off, LOL. <laughs> Can you play anything by either of the awesome Cats brothers. Joey Nukem would be cool too. We'll try to do that. Morris also had said, Good morning, Nahum Shabbos Kodesh. What a great way to start such a special Arab Shabbat, a double header of Chodesh Elul. Amazing. The excitement's in the air. Shabbat Shalom and Chodesh Tov to you and the family and to all 
of the holy listeners. All right, wonderful listeners, more coming up. You're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Chodesh edition of JM in the AM.
Good job. 
Shabbos, good 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 good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good
JM and the AM by request. Eitan Katz, Payroll-I, and uh, before that, the uh, Bowie Vishalom selection. Ana Bachazdecha, done by Rafal Uzan. You heard Shlomo Littman in there with Kani Tchasim. Chalainer had Hallel. We're getting ready for Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. And I thank you all for tuning in to JM and the AM. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents. Major American Jewish Organizations weekly update coming up at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern time right here at JM in the a.m. Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour with words about Parshas Re'eh. Candle lighting in New York, 717, 717 candle lighting in New York. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Um, feel free to do that. And the Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos show, which has been playing to critical acclaim. Apparently this week, an uh, unbelievable reaction to the Arab Shabbos show. That's going to happen at 10 o'clock Eastern time this morning here on the Nahum Siegel Network, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. So get ready to check that out here on uh, NSN. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. It is grilling season. This weekend, I would assume that friends and family are going to gather for some uh, delicious meat products from A&H. Toss all their varieties of hot dogs um, that are hopefully now in your fridge and freezer. Toss, if not, then make sure to get to a supermarket before Shabbos. Toss them on the grill and see everybody's uh, face light up. A result of the deliciousness of the A&H products. Their hot dogs are simply amazing. A lot of great varieties. And um, now that we're in the height of the grilling season and so many people are going to be utilizing this weekend to continue that tradition, we remind you about the amazing people at A&H. Go to kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Golly, it's on the background. Our news from Israel coming up and plenty more here on a Friday era of Shabbos at JM and the AM. A reminder that on September the 4th, that's a week from Sunday, we're going to be gathering in uh, the five towns as we try with our friends at Renewal to get a kidney match for Dr. Jay Bienenfeld and Mrs. Javi Diamond. That's happening a week from Sunday. More details as we get closer and closer. Go to Renewal.org for information, Renewal.org for information. You could email them specifically about this uh, situation, R25555 at Renewal.org, R25555 at Renewal.org. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from JMN. Galitzal, Shashtayim, Shalom Rav, Baulpan, Iran Kurzi, חשד לניסיון רצח בלוד, גבר בשנות החמישים לחייו במצב אנוש לאחר שנורא ברחוב. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה את הפצוע לבית החולים שמיר אסף הרופא, תוך ביצוע פעולות החייאה. כתבתנו יערה אברהם מעדכנת כי המשטרה פתחה בחקירת נסיבות האירוע. בסוריה מדווחים כי רק היום בצהריים השתלטו כבאים על האש שגרמה תקיפת חיל האוויר אמש. בתקיפה אתמול, בשעה שבע ורבע בערב עם אור אחרון, שיגרו מטוסי קרב טילים משמי נמל טרטוס בסוריה, מזרחה, לעומק השטח הסורי, ליד, ליד העיר מסייף. כתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי מציין שסרטונים שצילמו עדי ראייה מראים שהמטרות שהותקפו שוכנות באזור הררי והאש דלקה כמעט 18 שעות. 
חבר בוועדה לביטחון לאומי בפרלמנט של איראן אומר כי סביר מאוד שחזרה להסכם הגרעין תתרחש בתוך שבוע עד עשרה ימים. כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון דורון קדוש מוסר שבמערכת הביטחון בישראל סבורים כי מדובר במספר שבועות עד שייחתם ההסכם. אורח ביומיים מעצרו של ג'ייסון בלייד החשוד ברצח אלנה גרנברג, תושבת המרכז בשנות ה-20 שנמצא אתמול ללא רוח חיים בשטח פתוח סמוך לעיר רחובות. בלייז, תושב בת ים בשנות ה-20 לחייו שנעצר אתמול, ניסה לשים קץ לחייו טרם מעצרו, הופנה לבית החולים שמיר אסף הרופא במצב קשה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסיפה שהשנה נרצחו 15 נשים על ידי בני זוגן. ארה״ב ביטלה 26 טיסות לסין, זאת בתגובה להחלטת סין לבטל מספר טיסות של חברות תעופה אמריקניות בגלל הגבלות קורונה, כטענתה. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מציינת ש-19 טיסות שבוטלו היו אמורות להמריא מלוס אנג'לס ו-7 טיסות מניו יורק במהלך חודש ספטמבר. מזג האוויר היום אצלנו, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, מחר הטמפרטורות תעלנה ותורגש הכבדה בעומס החום. אלה החדשות. Thank you. 
There we go. Jam in the AM with Micha Gammerman. And the Tfilot Shabbat medley on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Quite a piece, huh? Certainly is. Uh, Erev Shabbos Parsha's Re'eh. Candlelighting in New York, 717. A two-day Rosh Chodesh coming up. It is um, Erev Rosh Chodesh El, a two-day Rosh Chodesh coming up. All the traditional additions for Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Half Hallel, Atiyotzarta. And uh, Sunday will start to blow chauffeur. I better keep that in mind for uh, JM Sunday and for uh, Monday morning. Our Elul chauffeur blowing will begin this coming uh, Sunday here at JM and AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. And we're going to try our best to always remember. <laughs> Doesn't always happen, but we're going to try our best to always remember. Simple as that. Harry Rothenberg has uh, words about Parsha's Re'eh on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Here he is at JM in the AM. Separate and apart from our obligation to give 10 to 20% of our post-tax income to charity, we have an obligation to extend loans to our brethren in need. In fact, you may be able to demonstrate even more faith in God by lending money than by giving money to charity. Think about it for a second. If you earn $1,000 after taxes, you've got to give one to $200 of that to charity. It's not your money. God let you take that money into your wallet so that you could choose to whom to give it, to which organization, to which poor person, but it's not yours. If you keep it, if you don't give any charity, you're stealing from God. But a loan is different. After you've fulfilled your charitable obligation, the remaining money is yours. Now God says to you, lend it out. Don't worry about it not being repaid. I will guarantee that loan. If the person to whom you lend welches, if you don't get repaid, I'll give it back to you. After all, I gave it to you in the first place. 
And so if you then lend, you're showing your faith in God as the ultimate guarantor. A friend of mine takes that obligation so seriously that a number of years ago he started a gamach, an interest-free loan fund. You'll find them in all Jewish communities. He spends 10 to 15 hours a week working on that fund, deciding to whom to lend and how much to lend and reminding people about their obligation to repay the outstanding loans. He does not take a nickel in compensation. It's a labor of love for which I'm sure he'll eventually be rewarded in the world to come. I have another friend who, when he moved to Israel, was buying an apartment for his family. He needed to secure a mortgage, and he got approved. He went to the bank on closing day, and the banker looked at his documents and said, one second, you're missing a guarantor. He said, what do you mean? I called the bank. They told me that I needed two guarantors. I got them. The banker said, oh, no, you need three. He said, well, that's not what they told me. He said, I don't know who you spoke to. You need a third guarantor. My friend said, what am I going to do? Closing is today. If you don't approve me, I'm going to lose my apartment. Just then, a stranger walked by. And he stopped. He looked at my friend. He said, excuse me, are you having a problem? My friend said, no, no, you know, it's okay. And the fellow said, no, it seems like you're having a problem. What's wrong? My friend said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I just moved to Israel, and I, I need a mortgage to buy my apartment. And now they're telling me I need another guarantor, and I didn't know that. They told me that, that I had enough, and it, it was just some miscommunication. The fellow says, no problem. I'll be your guarantor. My friend says, who, who, who are you? I, I, I can't ask you to do that. You're a total stranger. The fellow says, you didn't ask me. I volunteered. I'm your guarantor. And now the banker says to the fellow, wait one second. Who are you? I can't just allow you to be the guarantor. I have to make sure you have the financial wherewithal to guarantee the loan. The fellow says, that's fine. Why don't you type this account number into your computer and check? He types in the account number, and sure enough, the fellow's a customer, a good customer in their bank. He says, you know what? Your credit's good with us. You can be the guarantor. On the spot, this total stranger guarantees the loan. God, mi ka'am Who is like your nation? The Jewish people. But the rabbis tell us that our obligation to lend doesn't end with our wallet. No matter how little Jewish knowledge you have, there is always going to be another Jew who knows even less, to whom you can lend your time. You can teach that person something. And you'll say, wait a minute, that's not a loan, that's a gift. I'm not going to get that time back. But you're wrong, it is a loan. Because the same way that there's a person who knows less than you, there's also a person who knows more than you. You lend your time to the person who needs it, that person who's impoverished in his Judaism or his Torah learning, God will make sure that someone with more knowledge than you will share it with you. And further, your loan will also be repaid because inevitably you will end up learning more from your students than you will from your teachers, from your rabbis. Why? Because your students who may have less background or no background in Judaism will look at each issue through a different prism, a different lens. They'll ask questions that will not only fascinate you, they'll challenge you. They'll come at things from a different angle. And if you're going to teach, you better be on the ball. If you're learning Torah, you can sleepwalk through the lesson. But if you're teaching it, you better know what you're talking about. And so the next time your friend, your brother, your sister in need, in financial need, or in need of Torah knowledge asks you for help, lend a hand, lend some time, lend some knowledge, you'll get it back, and then some.
Harry Rothenberg, of course, on Parshas Re'e. A reminder that two members of our community are in dire need of a kidney, our good friend Dr. Jay Bienenfeld, Mrs. Javi Diamond. Uh, there's an awareness and swabbing event happening on Sunday, September the 4th, beginning at 11 a.m., uh, with the program at 11 and the swabbing at 12 at Kahila Space Israel, 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst, New York. Rabbi Josh Sturm of Renewal is going to be speaking. Uh, those of you who are not able to make it, Renewal will actually send you a swabbing kit to your home. To learn more about this, about kidney donation in general, and to help out, you could either email r25555 at renewal.org. That's r25555 at renewal.org. You could dial this number, 718-431-9831, extension 209. 718-431-9831, extension 209. Of course, we thank you profusely. More coming up. You're listening to a Friday morning era of Shabbos era of Rosh Chodesh at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with one of the Hallel medleys here on a Friday morning Arab Shabbos. As I just told Malcolm Holmine a moment ago, and we'll speak to him in just a moment. Um, <laughs> I've asked for his patience, and I'll ask for everyone's patience for a moment, because literally a piece of equipment that we need in order to broadcast literally, literally broke a moment ago, and hopefully... We are hoping, at least, that this is going to be a worthy replacement. But for some reason, it does not seem so. Oh, maybe there we go. Testing one, two, three. Oh, boy. We're not sure what's going on here. All right, we'll go back to the music. Hopefully, our weekly update is coming up. And plenty more if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. All right, seems I've uh, seems that things have uh, <laughs> worked out. We'll get to the weekly update in a second. I want to remind our friends about JewishWorldReview.com. Those of you out there who are looking for thousands of articles to uh, print out before Shabbos so you can learn more and more about uh, what's happening in this amazing world of ours, JewishWorldReview.com has plenty, and I mean plenty, literally thousands of uh, pieces of material about Israel and the Jewish world. And you can uh, check it out by going to JewishWorldReview.com and by uh, printing out whatever you need before Shabbos to keep you informed and entertained. And thank you to our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. 
Thank you. Refurbished alignment to your equipment. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable the timing, but thank God we were able to get things back on track. And we should mention Must have something we said. <laughs> it could be. Uh, we um, a moment ago I, I referenced the Jewish world. You've had the opportunity to travel a bit over the last week. That's the reason you weren't with us last week. And uh, one thing that you did tell me off the air that was reassuring is that things all around the world, thank God it seems, are getting back to normal, back to uh, what we know as a regular way of life and uh, the lockdowns and the cautions and precautions, etc., cetera, uh, or precautions, I should say, that are going on or that have been dominating in certain parts of the world seem to be easing up. And I guess that's good news for everyone. The problem is uh, that what normal has become is the problem that uh, going back to normal is not a positive statement in many instances anymore that the world is so nuts and uh, travel becomes so complicated that it's, it's, it's not necessarily the ideal is to just to go back to normal and you've had thousands of airport experiences and this time around uh, you would you would you would put this in the category of uh of unique wouldn't you this would be pretty unique, sitting three hours on a runway in Newark and two and a half hours in the in the Mogadishu setting at Newark Airport as they try to sort things out. Unbelievable. Uh, let alone the an eight-hour wait to make a baggage claim. Thank God I got my baggage, but the, almost nobody did. Really, they got to do something to improve this. Yeah, that's uh, it certainly has to be worked on. Um, I, I was in Israel last week, and um, it, it did seem that things were a bit calmer there at the airport, at least compared to the uh, videos and pictures that I had seen uh, prior to the visit. It could have been an exception, but in general, it sounded from my friends and relatives that they were finally getting a handle on the crowded situation at the airport, and things were easing up. Let's hope it, uh, in fact, happens around the world. Uh, by the way, we should mention, especially in the context of my first question, um, Unless you have further information, it seems that the uh, uh, the DC killer of the young Orthodox man uh, who we spoke about on the air um, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, has been identified but not arrested yet. Right? That's the update. No arrest. That is correct. No arrest. He was identified. His picture was put out. Nobody has uh, located him. And I mention that because um, uh, th there's yet another documentary over the last couple of days about anti-Semitism in America. And, and believe me, I get uh, I get Pittsburgh and Poway with the white supremacist and the and the, and the Muslim who took everybody in the synagogue hostage down in Texas and all the different political uh, aims that they're trying to accomplish in you know in the most ridiculous manner. I get all of that, but what I what I find that these news reports and documentaries ignore is the random attacks on Jews. We mentioned the one in D.C., but we see what's going on in some of the Hasidic neighborhoods and the more noticeably uh, and the people who are, are in more noticeably Jewish attire. And it's those types of attacks that I think are em emblematic of the uh, trend of anti-Semitism even more than some of the higher profile you know terror episodes. And I'm wondering what your comment is about that, if those types of incidents are just being ignored. Well, I think that there are multiple sources, and we have to address them all. The emphasis on right wing versus left wing, uh, which our media would, would normally be, uh, I think, um, uh, inclined to do, and the uh, failure to identify sources, minority sources, Muslim sources, other sources that um, – uh, are valid also as as uh, representative of the segment of the rise of anti-Semitic attacks. Uh, these physical assaults become so commonplace that people hardly 
take note of it, yet people are being hospitalized still for attacks on subways, on streets, on, uh, because somebody is visible, visibly Jewish, that somehow excuses what, what, what is happening. And, the, um, and I think you're making a valid point about people come at, at it with their own lens. And what we have to do is to start holding to account the leaders of those communities about what they say, what they do, to put it in context, because they're being inspired on the Internet. And we know much more and are learning more every day about how the manipulation with state sponsors, with uh, organized campaigns that are are being um, manufactured on the Internet constantly in overwhelming amounts. It's almost impossible to, to you know, to it's, it's whack-a-mole that you hit one and 27 others pop up. And this is uh, so you're right. We have to identify all the sources. We have to be honest about it. And and the leadership and communities have to stand up. And those who influence people have to be the ones to stand up and say this is unacceptable and, and to condemn it. And the judges then have to hold to account people who engage in this, not this revolving door justice. And that law enforcement has its hands tied in general. Uh, when it comes to safety on the street, and if people are not taking back their neighborhoods, you know themselves, uh, with efforts that you know where they insist that the police help them out, it seems like uh, they just—I don't want to say completely ignore it. That's not fair to the police departments, but they uh, are not as aggressive as they used to be. That is certainly true, and the more commonplace it becomes, the less they they respond uh, to it. I think NYPD has. Um, people in, in there who are, are concerned and who monitor this and who respond to the incident, and they can't prevent. And especially when you have the kind of climate created, a permissiveness, and that people know that the, the most they'll do is go in, fill in a form, and they're out the, on the street before the cop is even back in his station. Yeah, exactly. Uh, community leaders, religious leaders, those of you who are tuned in uh i beg of you i beg of you to play a greater role in communicating with the police department and making people in our communities feel safer um i think things are just getting out of control to a point where we have to uh, act and act as swiftly as possible uh if things seem to be escalating in the ukraine uh, malcolm i'm sure you saw the attack this week um the uh the i think the world's impression was that things would die down or come to some type of natural end in this conflict. And now it's about to become September, and it doesn't seem like we're even close uh, to that happening. Is that how you view it? Well, it, is, it was a six-month anniversary. I don't know that Putin intended this to be so uh, such an elongated conflict. They have a hard time supporting it. As you saw, he's um, calling up another hundred, over 100,000 uh, soldiers. And interesting, they call them up from rural areas, not from the main city, so there's less impact. You don't have the protests uh, that you would have uh, normally. But I think people are getting tired of the war. Even the coverage is getting tired. Yeah. Uh, and and you see the numbers that people are throwing out, which are still so unrealistic. Um, but the, the, um, uh, the attacks and the uh, fact that they had to close down now all aspects of the nuclear power plant and of the the escalation of the conflict in, in terms of the ongoing um, battles and the use of the of the missiles, which are very indiscriminate, hitting railroad stations, hotels, and stuff, and the fact that Russia has to turn to Iran to provide them with with uh, drones 
is, is a humiliation, I think, for them. And the fact that they are, are shopping around elsewhere for weapons and their, the economic impact uh, is less than, I think, people thought from the, the sanctions, but ultimately will have a more direct uh, expression in Russia itself. And uh, you see even some people coming out now in Russia uh, uh, critical of the of the war. So uh, Putin has to look at this also from a domestic point of view. And the fact that they lost tens of thousands of soldiers uh, will come home to roost at some point. And even and on the other side, Zelensky is not enjoying the same type of reaction from around the world that he was. Uh, he wasn't I, that popular at home before, but right. as, as we think. But he, you know, people, the the. You know this, that the role that he played at some time wears thin, also, and uh, you know, I mean, I don't know that he has any options as to what to do. They're yeah. fighting valiantly. People are. I mean, we're seeing the country destroyed. It's not his fault that the media loses interest in him. That's true. <laughs> he's got. He's got to just keep on going. Um, there was a an Israeli POW or a POW that Russia was holding that was an Israeli citizen. And if, and, if, and if yes, was there, I mean, they let them go because of pressure from Israel? They let him go because of pressure from Israel? I don't think it's the first case, but this was an Israeli who was conscripted. He, he wanted to leave, he had permission to leave, but they didn't let him leave Ukraine. And he was captured by pro-Russian group, militia right. groups. And they, Israel interceded with Russia, and he was he was finally released after being held for a while. Because normally, I would guess these POWs are never released, right? Until, They're not released until right. the end of the war. Basically, I didn't realize that Israel had to get involved and have him released. Um, so now let's move to some of the elections that are going on both uh, here and in Israel. What what is your conclusion, impression, overall comment about uh, what happened this past week even though it's August here in the United States and a very rare time for there to be primary elections. Uh, usually they're not held this month. Uh, this did prove to be um, an exciting election season. What is your review of what happened this week? Well, the, the outcome is very mixed. Uh, we see some people who were nominated or renominated who are very hostile and uh, very disturbing. We saw others uh, where the extremists were, were rejected, even if by a small margin. Uh, the uh, message is very clear, I think, to our community and uh, have to wake up about registering and voting and getting out there. And, and I don't carry the excuses that it's the summer, that it's the winter, it's too cold, it's too warm. This is so vital to us. And often the margins were very thin because so few people vote. Uh, you know, other communities may afford it because they don't have a, any real vested interest in the outcome, but we do. And when there are people who are openly hostile to our, commu our community's interests and they can get elected from areas that have Jewish constituencies because the turnout is so, is so low and where uh, a real mobilization makes a difference. I, I, I give a lot of credit to those who have tried here in the FJCC and the and others uh, in other communities really did work to to get a bigger turnout and to communicate with the candidates. But there has to be now they have a, a general election coming up. We should not dismiss it. And everybody says because it's only Democrats. It is not true. And on a statewide basis, certainly it's not a given, even though obviously there is a, an outweigh of Democratic registrants. It's I think it's 2.1 to 1 in, in New York State. Uh, but, you know, 
Pataki got elected, other people get elected. So whatever side you're on, it, it, it's imperative that people should get out to vote and to um, you know continue the, the trends of the past. When past generations realized what a privilege it was because they had been denied the vote, the place yeah. they came from, we take it for granted, and young people don't even take it for granted. They just don't care about it. Yeah. And and, and to me, this is the important message of of what what has happened. And there are very interesting races around the country that I don't get any coverage here that uh, people should look at. Here's the message that I got, which uh, I can't believe it took this many years for me to discover this. Um, you know how everyone views the Jewish community as if, oh, the Jewish community is united and involved and they get out and vote and they make the effort and then, you know, and of course their candidates will, will traditionally win the seats, et cetera, et cetera. That, first of all, it's not true, as, <laughs> as you just described, but the same way that we are viewed, that's how often we view other communities. And we say, oh, you know, fill in the blank, this community, you know, dominates that district and they're going to go ahead and bring out the vote, et cetera. One thing I learned from this election, that's not, not true. Most most of these communities are like us, and they don't vote, and certainly not to the extent where they make an impact. And it's amazing when you recommend, you know, get the to to get the vote effort to be stronger, get it out there, etc. People do not realize that that unlike other communities that ignore all of this, if we would just pay attention to election day and make a real effort to get the vote out, the impact would be amazing. I think we're under the I think I think many of us think that there's an uphill battle because so many other communities vote as a block, and it's just not true. They're just not doing it. So if we would go ahead and step it up, we would make an incredible difference. But you see how the left, the the, the uh, are are organized and how they are turning out disproportionate numbers in certain districts, or the right, or others, uh, you know, but particular interests. And what community has more interest in seeing America stable and seeing the fight against anti-Semitism and racism and seeing the aid to Israel protected and seeing to it that Congress remains strong, you know, where we have coming to the, the deadline on Iran on so many important and vital issues where, you know, the members of Congress really make a difference, where we see the, the uh, message, the political message, <coughs> and especially what, what will happen in the midterms about who will dominate Congress and who will what the message will be then for the presidential elections that will start right after that, and and every person makes a difference. Yeah, even if it's just adding up the numbers, but everybody looks at the numbers and they can they can tell you who voted and who didn't vote. Yeah, and if you analyze it in New York, at least it seems the progressive block is really the only one uh, to act the way we're describing. That's why we had the mayor that we did have for eight years. And that's why some of the elections went the way they did this past week. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at MalcolmSingle.com and the MalcolmSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. All right, now, of course, to Israel. So, I mean, the religious Zionist party, the way it was described to me, even though now there's a split, they got plenty of time to try to make up, right? This is, there's no deadline in terms of when they could possibly get together again and get those numbers up. Well, their numbers are up. Um, yes, they can get together, but the numbers, uh, especially for Ben Gvirs, has uh, increased pretty sharply. Uh, and um, there are a lot of people concerned, a lot of people who welcome it, but we'll see how this shakes out. You know, it's still a long time till November 1st. Right. You have to go through the Umtobin, you go through a lot of issues. People will often say that they're voting for someone because it's sort of a protest statement or a, a declaration of their dissatisfaction with uh, the situation as it is. 
there will be a lot of jockeying that will still go on. We we had four primaries. They they indicated uh, different things and different ones. Uh, uh, but I think the the real test will come, you know, once in, in, we say here after Labor Day the races start. Now I think in Israel it'll be pretty true because shortly thereafter you, you're going to have Rosh Hashanah and Kippur and Sukkot when things really do stop, and uh, and right after Sukkot you have the election. Yeah, and November first, just over two months, everybody is going to be some change in Israel. One of those changes might be a return of Benjamin Netanyahu because the numbers right now indicate that he could put together a block that would form 61 seats in the Knesset. It is possible. I mean, it'll be a very right-oriented uh, um, coalition, uh, but democracy speaks. And uh, again, it's a long time for everybody. We don't know what his court case is. We don't know what many other things, but he certainly uh, is is doing well. He's been much more visible, especially on the Iran issue and speaking out and doing tapes again. And, and I mean, videos, right. uh, he, he's, uh, and people look at him as a leader and, and, uh, also you have the divisions on the other side, the, amongst the other parties between, between, um, uh, Gantz and, and, um, Lapid and others who are working together, but they're all going their divergent ways in terms of running for office and competing for votes. The Likud numbers in general are pretty strong. Forget about the the coalition. I'm just saying that the party in general is getting uh, at least three, four more seats, according to the polls now, than they did in the last election. Um, They will, but that could shift. Yeah, I understand that. Um, The Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, we, of course, know that the ceasefire seems to be holding. I didn't realize there was a conflict regarding the ceasefire between Egypt and Israel. Has one of the countries uh, reneged on an agreement they made in order to implement that ceasefire? There's a dispute about it and about the release of uh, some prisoners and some other issues um, that um, in the, that was about the brokered agreement that, the issue, that Cairo uh, brokered that brought around the, the ceasefire. There is a lot of interesting reaction, though, that, that um, again, doesn't get coverage about the dissatisfaction amongst Gazans about the about the war and about the cost of of what happened, and especially about the 200 rockets that fell within Gaza of the 1,100 that pitch fired, and that they acknowledged that the attack in Jabalia that killed seven people, including four children, and 21 were injured. Uh, the Gaza Ministry of Health reported it, and that was clearly uh, a, a pigeon missile. And the, um, they're afraid to speak out. They can't make public statements, but more and more they're making, they're saying things anonymously to members of the press, and that the dissatisfaction about the cost of, of the war for, I may have nothing tangible to show for it. Um, and the so so the Gaza situation, uh, and of course the consequences of it, of the devastated buildings and the limits that they have on food, etc. Um, and, and there have been additional things. There was an explosion of uh, – explosion. People thought Israel did it, but it was actually just a, a, um, uh, a ammunition depot that uh, exploded. And, and you're seeing it on both sides, both in the and, – and it killed two people in Gaza. But you're also seeing uh, what's happening in, in the West Bank where you have stepped up uh, efforts. The PA is cracking down. On pro-Hamas elements, they they raided a dormitory at Berzid University. 
where the Hamas won overwhelming control in the elections for the student council. The um, uh, the other story from that, by the way, is that while most of the Arab world and others are changing their textbooks to remove the blatantly anti-Israel, anti-Semitic content, the Palestinian Authority is doubling down on it. Wow. And they, the Holocaust denial, the, the terrible content, it, you know, it's, it's almost unbelievable. And we have raised this consistently about the um, uh, nature of, of the stuff that they are, are printing. And yet, you hardly ever talk about it. There's a million students going in back in the in uh, the West Bank are going back to 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 learn from books that are rife with anti-Semitism and hatred and calls for violence and jihad and justifying it all. And uh, the Holocaust was completely omitted from history books, and they uh, like the Oslo Accords, things like that, are not even mentioned. And they uh, Dalal Mugrabi, remember, was responsible for the attack in '78 on the bus is idealized as a role model in the fifth grade textbooks. So we see, you know, things again, nobody holds them to account. You know, the, the Israelis opened up Ramon Air Force Base to let Palestinians fly, who always complained that they have to go to Jordan and to Amman to fly out. So they opened up the Ramon base that they could fly to Larnaca in Cyprus. And the PA is saying that anybody who goes and who uses it could lose their citizenship, would be would be denied a passport. Their passports would be confiscated, uh, and and it's something that people already took advantage of and wanted. This was one of the confidence-building measures that Israel did in response to the U.S. and others. Right. And where's the criticism of them for it? Where where's where is the response? And now wait and see. Just something to look for that the Palestinians are going to try and make a push for statehood to go to the Security Council again and try to raise the issue. We know they've been working on it. Uh, the United States is very much opposed. Others have warned them about it, but it's a thing to look for in the coming weeks. I forgot it's this time of year as the UN is going to convene and uh, a, a, a push toward Palestinian state and all they need, all they need, and I, you know, is, is a sympathetic United States government and that effort would move forward pretty quickly, right? But the U.S. is opposing it. Yeah, I get and, it. And yeah, I'm just reminding. Right. I'm just reminding. If the U.S. <laughs> blinks, then right. there's always be a majority. You know that an anti-Israel majority still remains in the U.N. despite all the new friends with Israel's made and uh, good relationships. Uh, they don't want this issue to come up, right. and most of them don't really want to see a Palestinian state now because they don't think it's mature and it's not, you know, going to be in their long-term interest. But um, uh, you're right that if it if there's no opposition, they will it would sail through. Well, I paint the picture like that because again, back to what we said earlier about voting, and back to what we said earlier about supporting candidates that are going to you know keep Washington uh, you know sane, so to speak. Uh, really important to remember, and I hope our community answers the call on the prior point with the Holocaust denial textbooks, etc. I mean, when the leader, when the PA leader is accusing Israel, we didn't discuss this because um, you were traveling, accuses Israel of fifty Holocausts. First of all, I was glad to see that when that quote came out and it got around there, there was I, I think you'd have to admit there was an uproar uh, appropriately from you know from a, from from a variety of places right people didn't ignore his comment they did not ignore his comments and uh, there's an investigation going on in Germany to see if he violated the um, the special laws of incitement and uh, if you profess uh, anti-semitic views publicly can be prosecuted um, he 
uh, he did not. He, he did issue a statement afterwards trying to qualify it. But we have to remember, he did his doctorate on Holocaust denial. Wow. His, his own doctorate wow. was uh, Holocaust denial. So it's not out of character for him to, to do this, make such a statement. Yeah, he's truly an expert on the topic. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but again, just, you know, while others are uh, are calming things down in that area, as you, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the Palestinians are going in the complete opposite direction. When you have a leader who's, you know, speaking like that, uh, one wouldn't be surprised. How significant is it that Israel and Turkey have now restored full diplomatic ties? Well, it's, it's significant. Turkey is a major player. Uh, it doesn't mean that Erdogan has completely changed all the stripes, but it is a, a, a important step. As you know, he hosted Abbas this week after uh, the announcement and said that uh, they're still committed to the Palestinian cause and it doesn't diminish their intensity in any way. And he has been a, a prime advocate for it. Uh, it doesn't change everything, you know, his relationship with Hamas, Muslim Brotherhood. But again, it's something to welcome. It's an important step. He's not doing it uh, except for his own interests. And, you know, he's facing an election and it's a very tenuous situation for him. So this is important that he increase trade, that he show economic benefit, which Israel delivers more quickly, even though the trade and exchange business exchanges with Israel never diminished throughout all this, you know, period of, of uh, negative exchanges and threats and accusations. It continued and it was never interfered with. And if you graph it, it just it's a steady increase up. So Turkey is, uh, you know, is a huge country. It's very important as a Jewish community still. And uh, they are assessing their positions vis-a-vis Russia. They they are more aggressive. In Syria and Iraq against the PKK, they uh, want freedom of action, and they they did carry out some attacks in the last week. Uh, so I think you you have to look at the totality of the picture. The amb- exchange of ambassadors is one part, certainly change in attitude um, in public in some of the public statements, but the criticism of Israel still continues. Well, can you tell us about the airstrikes, the U.S. airstrikes against Iranian-backed forces in Syria this week? So there have been already three uh, attacks. There was one last night again, and it's in response to rockets that were fired at American bases in uh, in Syria and uh, bases where American troops are located. As you know, we've reduced our presence there a lot, but these were direct uh, threats and CENTCOM. I hope learning a little bit from Israel and the relationship with Israel has been excellent with CENTCOM. That the that they know that the only response is is to hit back. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the UK envoy for the Middle East, who, who's who's stationed there, um, in private conversations, his name was uh, Jonathan Hargraves, I think, and he's a special envoy for Syria. Told Israelis that uh, the strike campaign against Iran military targets is probably the only thing that works in Syria. Well, I think the same thing is true in terms of America's response, that unless we really respond strongly and, and forcefully, these groups are reestablishing themselves. The Iranian militias are growing stronger and stronger, and uh, these are Hezbollah operations. But the groups they were attacking were actually Afghanis who belonged to a particular uh, brigade that uh, has carried out attacks. 
Boy, oh boy. Finally, uh, Israel continues to beg the West to uh, stop with the nuclear talks with Iran. The midterms are coming up. Another two years of this Biden administration after that. I mean, one would have to guess at this point that simply this dance of yes, yes deal, no deal, etc. is simply going to continue for the next couple of years. Is there any reason to think otherwise? Yeah, we might well have a deal. I think they're moving closer to it, uh, even though that we were told just weeks ago that uh, it's very far off, et cetera. The uh, Iranians have dropped some of their demands. The United States says that they will not give in on removing IRGC from the foreign terrorist organizations, that they won't remove the sanctions, although there are ways around it. Um, they also, uh, there were also other demands that they're still negotiating, the most important being about whether the IEA drops the investigation of Iran of the nuclear particles that, and the inspections regime that is not able to be to operate. The United States says they won't back off of it. The Iranians are, are demanding it. Uh, but the, the, um, uh, the, the, the negotiations are certainly moving into high gear. The Americans have responded now, as did the Iranians, so there'll be meetings in Vienna to discuss it and to see the Europeans are capitulating as they always do. Uh, I think that Lapid and Dianz and others, uh, BB's statements have been very strong and very targeted um, to, about the uh, uh, situation and what the implications of this will be for the whole Middle East. If you see how the Saudis and others are ready in the, the, the um, Gulf countries responding, because they have no faith in, in what is uh, going on. And Iran already talks about post-deal how it will start going after Israel in a more intense way. We know that they have the missile, the uh, drones, they're selling them to Russia, and they, the, they have other capacities. Uh, look, look they're, they're going after the Baha'i, and the whole world remains silent, even though they are persecuting them, arresting them, uh, torturing them, and, and, and they get away with it. So the world doesn't seem to give a damn what happens in Iran when we, we're seeing that they are still escalating a lot of the um, their efforts, and it's not going to stop them in the end from getting nuclear weapons if they reduce enrichment. You know, the ban on the nuclear on the ballistic missile restrictions goes out next year anyway. It's a sunset clause, so it's not even going to affect that ultimately. It's not going to affect the IRG, the, the the centrifuges. They have the very advanced. And they probably have a couple thousand, which means that they can enrich much faster and very quickly after the deal. So. We're not really stopping their uh, nuclear program. Uh, we see the cooperation with Russia, and it's it's expanding in many ways. Uh, and uh, we we are going to create uh, if they get the hundreds of billions of dollars that we're talking about, 250 billion maybe in the first tranche, and a trillion over the next decade. We are arming those who want to forget just about Israel, who are arming and who targeting America and America's interests and their allies. So hopefully they will wake up yet and that this deal will not go through. If people were listening carefully for the last half hour, the number of situations that we need to be concerned about both at home and abroad is just remarkable. Uh, it reminds us who's really in charge, frankly. That's for sure. And it's, the only hope is, uh, is that, although we had good news that Ben and Jerry's you know, couldn't ban the sale of ice cream in in, in Shomron. Right. And Israel's oil exports are up 22% this year. So I just want people to have some good news. And uh, the economy is remarkably resilient in the face of uh, the situation. The shekel's gotten stronger again. Uh, so there's, there's good news. And people are looking to Israel as the solution in the region 
not the problem. Yeah, no question about that. You have to thank God for that. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Hang on. Wait, Malcolm, let's get an official goodbye. Hang on a second. <laughs> there we go. You still there? There we go. You, Malcolm, you there? Yes. All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're having malfunction after malfunction here this week. I, I was saying have a wonderful... Where do you think you are? Newark Airport? <laughs> have a wonderful Shabbos, <laughs> and we'll speak again next week. God willing. Malcolm... Chodesh Tov to everyone in addition to Shabbat Tov. Chodesh Tov is right. Start blowing that chauffeur on Sunday. Get ready, everybody, to uh, to get to the serious part of the year. Uh, Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Re'eh. Parshas Re'eh is a very jam-packed parasha with no less than 55 mitzvos. There are 17 positive mitzvos and 38 restrictions. You have in this week's parasha once again the mitzvah to build a base hamigdash. You have in this week's parasha the review of kashros that Moshe is giving the Jewish people about to enter the land of Israel. And you have in this week's parasha the mitzvah of tzedakah, which we will talk about in a few moments. You have further uh, the mitzvah of shmitas ksafim, and it's important that you familiarize yourself with, and we'll talk about it more as we get closer to Rosh Hashanah, but the need to write a prusbal. That is not found in this parsha, but it comes out of the laws of Shemitah Ksafim, which is found in this parsha, that debts are canceled at the end of the Shemitah year, and a prusbal allows the individual to have his debts transferred to the Bezdim, and therefore the debts are owed to the Bezdim and can be collected after Shemitah. The end of the parasha is that of the three pilgrim festivals, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos, and the mitzvah at the very end, not to come to the Beis HaMikdash empty-handed, but rather to bring korbanos in celebration of the Shalosh Regalim. I'd like to focus this morning on the Chinuch's Count of Mitzvos, Mitzvah 479, and that is to give tzedakah, and he says in his opening line, Lasos tzedakah im leho, to give to the needy, besimcha, with happiness, with joy, uvetuv levav, and with a good heart, pleasant countenance. Now I'm going to ask a very basic question. It's one thing that we should realize that stucker 
is not what Webster calls charity. Webster has charity as a voluntary act. You're a nice person, you're generous, you give charity to any and all worthy causes, institutions. The Torah does not leave it to man and his own generosity and goodness of spirit. Tzedakah is a mitzvah. Yes, why is there no bracha for tzedakah? Parenthetically, one, because it's not unique to the Jewish people. And Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvosav doesn't only mean that he added holiness to our lives through the commandments, but literally, Kedoshim Prushim, separate. He made us different from all peoples with mitzvos over which we recite a bracha. So honoring a parent is a very important mitzvah, but non-Jews do it as well. Therefore, no bracha. Giving charity, even though for them it's voluntary and for us it's obligatory, a Jew has to give charity, has to give tzedakah, but there is no bracha because it's not limited to the Jewish people. Other, re- other reasons are given for this, but not for now. Let's get a little bit into how is it possible for the Torah to say, give tzedakah in a state of happiness. I'd like to suggest two different approaches. The first is the Or HaChayim HaKadosh found in Parshas Mishpatim. This is chapter 22 in Mishpatim, Pasuk 24. And there the Torah says, Im Kesef Talve Esami, the word Im, which means if, is not translated as if, but properly so by art scroll as when, meaning the Torah wants you to feel that you have the choice, meaning like you're doing it, even though you know you're commanded by God to do this. But in Kesef Talveh Sami, the Torah says, if you should lend a Jew money, es he'oni imach, the poor that is with you, so I ask you, my friends, again, 22, 24, in Shmos, take out the Chumash, and how many extra words are there in the Torah? Of course you're giving to the Oni who is with you. You're not going to give to an Oni that's not with you. So what is that extra word, Imach, coming to teach us? The Orachayim HaKadosh has an incredibly beautiful pshat. And you know what he says? Why is it that some people are given by Hashem more than they need? Whatever their, quote, needs are, thank God, is met, and they're given more. Why? Another home, another pool, another tennis court, why are they given more than they need? And one answer of the Orachayim so beautifully is Imach Hashem has given you that which the poor individual is missing, is lacking. In other words, it is and was to go to him. 
Hashem, for some reason, puts him, the poor individual, through the challenge of not resenting God by being in that state. That is his challenge. And the rich have the challenge of, will they give the poor what is rightfully theirs? So the reason why you will give tzedakah b'simcha is because you will say, Hashem, thank you. Thank you for the trust that you have in me. Thank you for allowing me to be your ambassador. Thank you for allowing me to be your gizbor, to distribute really your funds to the needy individual, institutions, etc. Wow. Thank you for putting me on your team. If a person realizes that that is his privilege, whoa. Furthermore, an extension of this, the Gemara in Baba Basra, Yud Amar Aleph, 10a, tells us that Tunisrufus Russia, a Roman philosopher, not necessarily such a good person, uh, asked Rabbi Kiva, if your God loves the poor, why doesn't he take care of them himself? And Rabbi Kiva answered an incredible answer. He said, to save the rich from going to Gehenna, from H-E-L-L. Amazing. In other words, the next time that there's a knock on the door or the doorbell rings and it never comes at a good time, and you ask your child, go see who's there, and the child comes back and says, Abba, it's a Meshulach, someone asking for money. Well, the father says, tell him I'm not home. Ouch. First of all, you're teaching your child, God forbid, to lie. But more important, you're losing out on an incredible opportunity. Me, Odea, who knows if this could have been your best investment of the day by your helping him, because you have what's coming to him. Number one, you're giving him what's his. But more than that, you are, to quote that Gemara and Baba Basra, saving yourself from, God forbid, someday, some kind of a punishment. So that's the first reason why you are happy to give Staka. A second reason is found in this week's parsha, where the Torah speaks about the mitzvah of tzedakah. So you'll take a look in <clears throat> chapter 15, starting with Pasuk 7. Incredible. The Torah says that if you are approached by a Jew who's asking you for help, and if you have to prove, ask him for the papers to substantiate his need, and he can do it, says the Torah, one, don't harden your heart, don't clench your fist, excuse me, from your poor brother. Now watch, you shall surely open your hand for him, that's one, and says the Torah, you shall surely give. Now watch. Not only are you to give, but you're not to give resentfully. You're not to give because you're embarrassed by someone to give. You're not to give with hard feelings. No, just the opposite. Because of this, what? 
because of your giving and how you're giving. You're giving because, wow, you feel the plight of the next one. This is an integral part of the mitzvah of tzedakah. It's not just that you're giving, but after all, I can't love the next one as much as I love myself. But the Ramban does say you can feel the plight of the next one. If he is suffering, you are to feel some of his plight and pain, and therefore you a, are giving him, and you're giving him happily, that you're able to assist him. And then, listen carefully now, the Torah says, Ki because of this, Hashem Hashem is going to bless you in all your activities, all that you will undertake. Now watch. The Kleokar brings the Gemara in Shabbos 151b. And if you take a look at that Gemara, and it's a little bit more than halfway down towards the bottom of the page, 151b, ouch. What's the ouch? What does it mean, ki beglau hadavar hazeh? Because of this? So the Gemara understands it to mean that the word Biglau is related to the word Galgal, a wheel. And that there is a wheel of fortune in this world, says the Kleokar, in order that man should realize that Hashem is in control. And therefore, in order that one who has money wants to make an investment that his money should stay in his family, and not, unfortunately, as the Torah says, Kilo yechdal elvion mikerev ha'aretz, chapter 15, verse 11. It means they will always be poor in this world. Well, if there's always going to be poor in this world, says the Gemara on the word biglal, today you're on top. But what's going to be tomorrow? What's going to be with your son? What's going to be with your grandson? In order to protect that your son and your grandson should not be needy. Your giving charity today is really on their behalf. So if you want to take care of your children, so you think you're going to do it by 401ks and by other different kinds of trusts, etc. Annuities? No. You're going to do it by giving stalker. Now, this is found explicitly in the Gemara. The Gemara tells us that Rabbi Chia said to his wife, when a poor person comes to the door, be quick to offer him bread, so that others, listen carefully now, may be quick to offer bread to our children when they are beggars. Ay, ay, ay. She said to him, are you, God forbid, cursing our children? He said, no. It's this Pasuk that we're talking about. It's an explicit verse, that there is this, quote, wheel of fortune. And therefore, in order to prevent that from happening, understand that you're giving charity today, happily, because, number one, you have been transformed into a giver. 
which is what charity does. Listen carefully, my friends. Go to chapter 3 of the book of Rus. Rus comes back from Boaz's field, and she's full, shopping bags full of produce. And Naomi says to her, Whoa! Who was the generous person? So what does she answer? Shemo Ish, the name of the man, Asher Osisi Imo Hayom, the name of the man that I did for him today is Boaz. So the Talmud says, the rabbis, excuse me, in the Medrash say, what do you mean that I did for him? Who did for whom? So you would, I would have said that it was Boaz who did for Rus. And the Medrash says, no, more than what the Balabayas does for the poor, the poor does for the Balabayas, for the rich man. How? Because it transforms the Balabayas, the rich man, into a no-saint, into a giver. The Torah is making you into a good person. Wow! So we should realize and appreciate the mitzvah of tzedakah. And therefore, it's good for you, as the Gemara in Baba Basra teaches. It's good for your children, as the Gemara in Shabbos teaches. And you become nothing less than a partner with God. So the next time that you write out a check for tzedakah, do so in a state of simcha, of happiness and joy, and say to Hashem, thank you so much for this opportunity. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Lechtinger Shabbos, brand new from Schleimy Gertner here at JM in the AM. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to a Friday era of Shabbos, 717, candle lighting in New York, 717, candle lighting in New York. It's era of Shabbos, Parshas Re'e. Rosh Chodesh begins tonight. It'll be a two-day Rosh Chodesh Shabbos and Sunday. Again, a two-day Rosh Chodesh Shabbos and Sunday. We'll start the sale of David Hashem Ori tomorrow night. And we will start blowing shofar on uh, Sunday. And... Um, And uh, we get set for uh, Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. I hope it's a great Shabbos and a wonderful Rosh Chodesh for everybody out there. JM and the AM with a big thank you to our friends at A&H, Abels and Hyman, those of you out there who are into grilling season, those of you who are going to have that barbecue at full pe- full capacity this coming Sunday. Make sure you have plenty of A&H hot dogs, all varieties in your fridge and freezer before the weekend so you're all set for Sunday. Grilling season is now happening in earnest, to say the least. And those of you out there who are uh, looking for an amazing product, delicious meat product, you want to go with our friends at A&H, try it out. They've been the uh, victors of plenty of taste tests. Oh, yes. They have been the uh, the winners of plenty of top dog contests. Uh, go to kosherdogs.net for information. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio. Try A&H today and enjoy your grilling weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. J.M. the A.M. on a Friday era of Shabbos. Great programming all weekend long. I believe Avrami's sitting in for Mat this Sunday morning. Thank you, Avram. That'll start at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Avrami with the Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night uh, with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Uh, today, right after J.M. and the A.M., some amazing music. And then our Erev Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem and uh, hosted by the one and only Mark Zamek. That'll be happening... Uh, this morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And um, as I said, great programming all weekend long. More coming up. It's JM in the AM, and this is a classic from Regesh. Shit. 
Cats, of course. Regesh before that. JM and AM Friday morning, era of Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. Spend the day together 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world web, and AlchemSingle.com, on the AlchemSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JMAM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Plenty of great programming coming up. Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Starts at 10 a.m. this morning here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami and, of course, Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis. I believe Avrami is sitting in this Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. And, of course, we're back Monday morning. Uh, wishing everybody a wonderful Chodesh. Wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos. Till uh, next week, it's Nachum Sigal reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.